inches long. That is remarkable. I don't think I've ever had a five-page five message. Computer tells me it'll last about 12 minutes. <laughs> Strangely enough, and I never noticed before, these guys have a timer up here on me that I can see. I, didn't, I never saw that in the corner of the screen. So I better get going. Have you ever wondered what a triple threat is? Triple threat in baseball would be somebody that can hit, can catch, and can run. Uh, triple threat in the arts, I tried to think about what would that, who would that be, and most people know who Hugh Jackman is, you know, the actor Hugh Jackman. We found out in his uh, two musical things, what were they, the one about the circus, and then wasn't he in uh, Les Mis as well? We found out that he could not only act, but he could sing and he could dance. We found out in both of those uh, 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 movies. A triple threat is somebody that has everything you need wrapped up in one human being. I have never been a clergy triple threat. Um, I'm not sure if I'm any threat, but for sure I am not a clergy triple threat. And most people are not a triple threat. We come with certain gifts and certain graces that God gives us and he asks us to use for the sake of the kingdom. But today, I want to tell you that we can all be a triple threat, and you can learn it from the passage that we read this morning. Let's take it a verse at a time. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the little village of Bethany, where Lazarus was, who Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, the writer, John, tells us which Lazarus it was because there's two that we know of in the Bible, and certainly it was a common name. But in this little town of Bethany, in just the chapter before this, uh, Jesus has raised Lazarus to life. Now, you'll recall from that passage that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And so Jesus has come back there, and as you can imagine, um, when Jesus raises somebody from the dead, uh, you'd want to do something for him. And the second verse tells us what Mary and Martha and Lazarus wanted to do for Jesus. They gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Isn't it great when somebody is going to give you a dinner? It was for Jesus. And it says that Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus. It's a, it's a key point um, that Lazarus is reclining with Jesus. I guess I'll get to that in a few minutes. But I want to be sure you understand the guest of honor was not Lazarus. The guest of honor was Jesus. It says that as Jesus is eating his meal, that Mary... The sister Mary got up and she took a pound of this very expensive ointment made from pure nard and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And it says the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I don't know if you burn scented candles or maybe you have, you know, one of these uh, candle warmers at your house or maybe you have something else that you use, but... I will put those on and I will let the house fill with that fragrance. And that's kind of what we've got going on in this situation. When Mary broke out uh, that box of expensive perfume, I can just see the whole house as they're eating that meal, meal being filled with this wonderful perfume. It wasn't hard for Mary to do what she was doing. You remember from the last verse that Lazarus was reclining with Jesus at the table. I know you've heard this before because you're all Bible scholars, but it was their habit 
to recline when they ate. They'd place their head back at the table. They'd place their feet out away from the table. They'd get a pillow or something to put one arm on, and they sat and ate off the table with the other hand. And generally speaking, they filled their stomachs up because they did not get more than three meals a day like you and I do. In fact, sometimes they were fortunate to get one, and when you got a chance to eat, you stretched out and filled it up. And so here's Jesus and Lazarus and some disciples around this table. They're all stretched out. And Mary stands up and goes to the feet of Jesus. Not hard work. They were sticking out there. But very expensive act. When it says a very expensive ointment, I want to be sure you understand what we're talking about here. This was probably all that Mary had. Some tell us that this would have been the uh, uh, equivalent of a year's salary, a year's payment for, for common medial work in that day. It was, I don't mean, you know, you bought things and you saved it. I mean everything that a person in that day and age might have made in a year. And, and the reason they put it into these spices and these ointments were because you could easy to carry them around. They were small, they fit into a small place, they were easily traded. Well, Mary seemingly has all she has, and she gets down to Jesus' feet and she begins to anoint his feet. But then Mary does something really unique. <laughs> and it was something that would have dropped everybody's jaw at the table. She begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Can I tell you that a good Jewish woman would never let her hair down like that? And I want to be sure that you understand that, that as these guys, these disciples are around that table and they're looking... I'll bet you there was some whispering going on. I bet you there were some real questions about what's happening right here. If they didn't see it, they would begin to look because that smell filled the house. And Mary is washing his, anointing his feet with this ointment, wiping those feet with her hair. And what I want you to see more than anything, the value of those spices, the value of that ointment, the devotion that Mary is offering... She's given it to Jesus before it's too late. You know, John's already told us it was just six days before Passover. I'm not sure that anybody understood what that meant for Jesus, but Jesus got it. And Mary comes to the feet, and she begins to do a very devoted thing and a very expensive thing. You know what we do? <laughs> we wait till somebody's gone. And then we do the nice things. Boy, they were a really good person, weren't they? That's what we say, right? We say those things. They were really nice. They were good. Jesus, Mary comes to him and she's bringing him the flowers while he's still living. She's not sending them to the funeral. And I want you to notice as we read on in this that Jesus is going to not only commend Mary, but he's going to defend Mary for doing this. See, Mary comes to his feet. She came like a slave would come to their master. She lets her hair down. She does what no decent Jewish woman would do. And as we're about to find out in the next verse, she gets criticized for it. She gets misunderstood for it. This story is recounted in Matthew and Mark. If you go there, you see in the John account, all we have is Judas squawking about it. But if you get to the other accounts, all the disciples 
are upset that Mary's doing this. Judas says, why wasn't that sold and given to the poor? And the rest of them say, yeah! She's misunderstood. She's criticized. She gave her very best to the Lord. She was misunderstood and criticized. And I think you should make a mental note. If you give your very best to Jesus, expect to be misunderstood and criticized. And here it comes. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, some of you may have <coughs> seen me post this yesterday. I was thinking about this message. And um, isn't it interesting that we're in John 12, but isn't it interesting that in John 666, it says that many of Jesus' disciples left him from that time and went away? Isn't it interesting that everybody who lost interest in Jesus, who was no longer going to go with him, who had no desire to follow through with him, walks away, but Judas stayed? <laughs> I mean, just because somebody stays does not mean that their intentions are right. Judas had plans. John kind of tells it to us when he says, you know, over in the sixth verse, the reason he's upset about the money is because he's a thief. One other thing, what's about to happen in the fifth verse, but Judas Iscariot, that's the fourth verse, one of his disciples, the one that was about to betray him, in the next verse what you're going to find out is that he speaks, and you need to pay attention to this. <laughs> it's the first time that Judas speaks in the Bible. It's the first time that Judas speaks. When we get into Easter, at least into, into Palm Sunday and Monday, Thursday, you'll hear me talk more about that, I believe. But the two times, the first and the last time that Judas speaks, they both have to do with money. It's interesting. In the fifth verse, here's what he said. Why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? You know what drives me bananas? Um, when I see something at home that I want to throw out, I want to take it and I want to throw it out. How many of you are like that? If you see something you're done with and it's over, are you like that? I'm not odd, okay. There's other people, you know, in this world that'll say, well, we can take that to Goodwill. I don't want to go Goodwill. I want to take it off with the trash can, get rid of it but we can take it to go. That means I got to load it up, carry it there. Right now, we've got a couch in our dining room because some people think that somebody wants that thing. <laughs> Judas says, why didn't you sell that ointment and give it to the poor? But here's why he said it. Not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had charge of the money bag. And he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. I may be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. If you go read the four Gospels, what you'll find is that the other disciples, up until the very end, they thought Judas was just like them. Up to the very end, nobody questioned Judas in any way. Jesus knew. But nobody else looked over and said, you know, that guy looks shady. He got beady eyes. When they get to the Last Supper, 
the night before Jesus is crucified, when they get to that, that scene, Jesus has this little conversation. I should have put this in my text, so this is going to be longer than five pages now. We're now into six pages. But it's interesting, when they're sitting there at the table and they're eating, they're saying, is it I, is it I? You know, Jesus, somebody's going to betray me. Is it I, is it I, is it I? Everybody wants to know, is it me, is it me? Because I don't feel it in my heart. I have, no, I have no nothing with you, Jesus. How could it be me? And Jesus says, it'll be the one that I dip this morsel of bread in and give it to him. And he gives it to Judas. And do, you, do you note that the disciples don't jump up and say, what are you doing? Right to the end. Right to the end, Judas was trusted. And Judas gets up and walks out. And you know what I believe the disciples thought? I can't prove this by Scripture, but I'll tell you what I think they thought. Well, he's got the money bag. It's Passover. He's going out to help the poor. Right here, he asks the question, why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? I've already told you this, but I want to be sure you keep it in mind. Matthew, Mark, where this story is accounted otherwise, the disciples jump in on this. When Judas asks the question, you know, and kind of criticize, he does criticize Mary for what she's doing, the other disciples jump in and basically say, yeah. John tells us he didn't care about the poor people at all. He was a thief. He had in the money bag. He always helped himself to it. But I want you to look at what Jesus does. Jesus says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. There's a couple of strange things here that you don't even, probably don't even see in this verse, but I want to point them out to you. First off, Jesus appreciates what Mary is doing. He, he's, and I've told you this already. He defends Mary's actions when she is criticized by Judas and when her motives are questioned. This is so very telling to me, and I don't know why. If you can explain it to me, see me after church. Do you know this Mary? Look at what Jesus says. Leave her alone. She's keeping it for the day of my burial. Remember, you know the Easter story. Jesus is crucified. They're in a hurry. They throw him in a borrowed grave. The women come back because they've got to finish his embalming process. <laughs> it's easy to miss this point. This Mary isn't one of the Marys that shows up there. This Mary is not one of the Marys that shows up at the grave. You, if you can explain that to me, you go ahead. Look at what Jesus says next. You will always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. I've already told you, but I want you to keep in mind it's, it's six days before Passover, but nobody knows what Jesus knows. He knows why he's really going there. He is going to be the lamb that is going to be sacrificed. As he goes to the little village of Bethany to his good friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, as he sits down to a meal and he smiles and he probably laughs with everybody, in the back of his head, he knows what's coming. It's also interesting what's going on with Mary as opposed to Judas. Mary takes this expensive ointment. She bends down in worship and begins to 
wipe his feet and anoint them and to wipe them with her hair. And then you got Judas sitting over here watching the whole thing. And with every drop of that ointment that goes on those feet, he's saying, there's some money for me. There's some money for me. There's something that I, I can use. And when Jesus speaks and he says, leave her alone. And then he says, you'll always have the poor with me, but you won't always have me. You don't hear it in the English language, but I want to tell you, the other disciples heard what Jesus did because what Jesus did was he rebuked Judas. And I want to tell you too, Judas heard that. You don't often see Jesus rebuking his disciples. Oh, Got to give Peter credit. You know, get thee behind me, Satan, because Peter tries to stand in the way of the cross. By and large, Jesus is not rebuking his gang, but he is rebuking Judas right here. You will always have poor people to feed. If your intention, Judas, is to take care of the poor, don't you worry about that. You will always have poor people, but you will not always have me. Hmm. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also so they could see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. All these people are coming to believe in Jesus. So many people became followers of Jesus because of his raising Lazarus from the dead. They come to this house, which couldn't have held everybody. They weren't big enough. They're standing around out in the streets. The priests are watching this all go down. And now more people are believing, and the priest said, you know what? This Jew's got to go, but not only him. We're going to have to do something about Lazarus as well. And this brings me to my bottom line. You say, how could you get to a bottom line out of that, Joel? Well, just stick with me because I get good news and bad news. That timer's still going. <laughs> I don't have one bottom line. I don't even have two bottom lines. I've got three bottom lines today because there's a triple threat going on in this story. If you just got alarmed about the roast you have in the oven, don't, because this won't take long. <laughs> Working for Jesus is often unrecognized witness. What do you mean by that, Joel? The last time that Jesus visited with Martha, it's in the book of Luke chapter 10. Jesus enters the village. He goes into a, a home of Mary and Martha, and her sister Mary is there, and, and she's sitting at the Lord's feet. Mary, this same Mary that took the expensive ointment in her hair, this same Mary on this earlier visit is sitting at Jesus' feet. And it says that Martha is distracted with much serving. Finally, Martha, you know, she's scrubbing the dishes. She's got the scraper out. She's trying to get everything washed and done. And there's Mary sitting listening to Jesus. And finally, Martha walks out in the room and says, Jesus, do you not care that she has left me to do all the work by myself? 
Tell her to help me. Jesus looks at Martha and he says this, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about so many things. But there's one thing that's necessary, and Mary has chosen that, and she'll never have it taken away from her. You ever felt that way? I I watched a video last night that I was going to present to you, but I wanted really not to take all your time today. It was lengthy, and I didn't want to present it, but it's great. This husband gets off work. He calls his wife at home and says, hey, I'm cooking tonight. She says, okay, that'll be great. He said, if you could put on the vegetables and the salad and get things ready, I'm going to do barbecue. Oh, by the way, could you marinate the steaks? And on and on it goes. And before you're done, you're watching them side by side on the screen. He's falling asleep with the steaks that she's marinated while she's in the house fixing the meal. And he goes into the house with the steaks, sits down, gives her the steak. She has done everything. How many of you have ever lived that? Oh, you're, you're, you're lying. You've lived that. That's what Martha's got going on here. Lord, it seems like I'm the only one working here. Sometimes our work is our witness. I've got a friend. He de- is retired, and he does a ton of really good things in his community. I spoke to him recently, and he said to me, you know what? He said, I'm getting tired of it. And he said, and then that lousy preacher across the street brought me over this verse, and he said, this verse says, don't grow weary in well-doing. He said, I slid it under my desk glass, and I look at it every morning. Sometimes when you're doing the right thing, it can get tiring, and that's what Martha's problem is here. And church, let me tell you something. In the body of Christ, we've all got to work. Lord, when did we see you hungry or naked and clothe you or feed you and see in prison? And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When did we see you a stranger? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Get into the book of Acts. It talks about this woman named Tabitha. You know what it says about Tabitha? She was full of good works. Sometimes our best witness is what we do. Paul says, as often as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And then, of course, he says in Galatians, don't grow weary in well-doing. Sometimes working for Jesus is something that no one will recognize. It doesn't mean you stop. Martha, Martha, you are cumbered about with much serving. Can you imagine on this day? I mean, now you have all the disciples there. They're all stretched out eating around this table. And here comes Martha. She has prepared a meal that probably took days to get ready for them. She's out here unobtrusively trying to clean up the mess and take the trash cans out. And Mary gets up with her little ointment hasn't peeled a potato or boiled a carrot. And she sits down at his feet and everybody, what's Mary doing? And then Mary lets down her hair. And there's Martha looking out from the crack in the kitchen door. Here she goes again. You ever felt like that in a church? They don't feel that way sometimes. Working for Jesus is often unrecognized witness. But also worship of Jesus is often misunderstood witness. 
but it's never misplaced waste. Let me talk to you about that for a minute. This woman, as it's told in the book of Matthew, in Bethany, this woman comes up with this ointment. And I've harped on this throughout the message this morning. When Mary anoints Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair, and Judas steps up and says, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? If you get to the book of Matthew, it says this, when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, and they said, why this waste? This could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Now, in Matthew, Jesus says, why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. But it's all the disciples that say this. Sometimes, you know, it might be that you decide that, you know, I don't like what the church is doing right there. What a waste, right? What a waste. Can I tell you something, church? Things don't work today the way they did in 1950. And by the way, things don't work today the way they did in 2019. What may work for you and me might not work for that guy that's walking down the street right now on this Sunday morning and has no clue about Jesus. We've got to double load the barrels and take every shot that we can afford to take and never think that it's not going to speak to a heart that has never heard. It's not a waste. might be understood by us, but it's not a waste. Those disciples misunderstood what Mary was doing. She was worshiping Jesus. Last week as we, I wish I had my phone here. I didn't think to put this on the screen. As we were finishing up shop here, Mr. Spalding back there, not the one back here, the one back here, <laughs> shot me a photo of where he was at. And they were hiking somewhere, and he, he's telling me, you know, he's worshiping God. It used to be, I got to tell you, it, got, it used to be when people would tell me I'm going to worship God at the beach. It sounds good, but I'd say, but you know you're not going to. But can I tell you something today? You want to worship at the beach? I'll go with you. You want to worship out here at the creek? I'll go with you. I'll do whatever it takes if you're going to lift up Jesus. And finally, witness for Jesus. Use words when necessary. You know what's interesting about Lazarus? Oh, let's get the story straight again so you don't miss my point. Lazarus in John 11 is raised from the dead by Jesus. In John 12, he and his two sisters have this big dinner for Jesus. He has been raised from the dead. People are coming to believe in Jesus because he was raised from the dead. And here he is leading at the table, and he's eating with Jesus in this, this uh, beautiful meal that Martha has prepared for him. Do you know that Lazarus never speaks in the Bible? Do you know that Lazarus never speaks in the Bible? Somebody said it was St. Francis of Assisi, but it's a lie. He didn't say this. Somebody said that St. Francis of Assisi said, preach, use words if necessary. He didn't say that. We've attributed that to him. It's not so. But friends, your best witness is not what comes out of here, and neither is mine. Your best witness is not what you say, it's what you do. It is not what you say, it is what you do.
And that brings me to the great Christian triple play. You know what you find in this story today, church? You find the triple play. You find work. You find Martha hustling in the kitchen, unbeknownst to anybody, doing her thing. It's worship. It's Mary bending down at the feet of Jesus and being totally and completely understood by everybody who claimed to be religious people. And it's witness. It's a life that was dead and has been brought to life. It's the story of the prodigal son in living color. This, my son, was dead, but now he lives. You want to have a great triple play as a Christian? Work for Jesus, worship Jesus, witness for Jesus. Not with your words, but with your ways. Amen.